0: Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Piringer. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Philippians 1 this morning. I'll read verses 3 through 11 here in just a little bit. You know, back, uh, way back in 2020 during the preeminence of the pandemic when we weren't able to meet together I learned a very valuable lesson. Uh, I learned that I need the fellowship and togetherness with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, I was at home with my family, and we had wonderful family time. I always enjoy being around my family, but, you know, being, not being able to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ, it, it unnerved me. It was hard. And I was not expecting the, the amount of overwhelming joy I felt when we finally got back together again. And so it gave me a greater appreciation of the fellowship of the saints, the need for those of us who share the commonality, this common experience in our lives of Jesus Christ, and, and share a common ministry and, and, and calling on our life as well. We need each other. And I hope we enjoy being around each other. And you know what? It's not just being around the brothers and sisters in Christ here at Harvest Baptist Church, but brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter what their church is and no matter how close or far away uh, they might be, we definitely need the fellowship of the saints. And it's kind of novel in our day and age during a time when technology has made it so much easier for us to isolate ourselves from the rest of the world. I mean, we think that we have everything that we need right at the touch of our fingertips on those electronic devices. But on those electronic devices, you're not gonna find true fellowship, you're not gonna be able to build and maintain a true relationship online. And this is so important for the church to learn. We need each other because we have a very large calling upon us. We share a calling on our lives. We share a ministry, the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so not only are we brothers and sisters in Christ, we are because we are the family of God, but we are also eternal partners in Christ and with Christ, with a great calling of the gospel. And today I wanna talk about the importance of this partnership that we have with one another and to encourage us not to take that partnership for granted. I pray we never take it for granted again. And so I wanna read verses three through 11 of Philippians one, if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read these verses. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul wrote this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, All making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now and I'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, I pray that you use these words to speak to us and and remind us how important it is. To be a part of a fellowship and to be active in a fellowship and to, and to just be around brothers and sisters so that together we can make your gospel known. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Well, you know, you read this passage, you really get an understanding of the love that Paul had for this church. It comes out in verse 7 where he says that he holds them in his heart and in verse 8 he says that he yearns for them there is this burning in his heart of this great affection that he has for these saints i mean part of it is he yearns to be with them part of it is he yearns for them to continue in a faithful walk in ministry and part of it is he yearns to work beside them to continue that great work of spreading the gospel of jesus christ and paul really wants us to emulate that feeling for the brothers and sisters in Christ, for the saints. And as we look at this passage, there's two points that Paul makes that, you know, we could say it helps us develop the yearning or maybe we could say that it helps us express the yearning that we should have for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so first, he wants us to know that we are to thank God for our partners. You are to thank God for your partners, partners in the ministry of the gospel. And so Paul begins with thanksgiving for the people of this church. Paul demonstrates for us that we are privileged to be able to express gratitude that God has provided for us, these brothers and sisters in Christ that we have. And constantly in, I mean, not just in the passage that we read, but really throughout this entire book, he emphasizes how thankful he is for each and every one of them for all that they do for him and encouragement for all that they're doing for Christ and we should be thankful this way as well here's here's this great calling for us to develop and express appreciation for those who join us in the labors of Christ and Paul specifically mentions certain areas that kind of stoke this gratitude that he has for his brothers and sisters in Christ first he gives thanks for their fellowship in the ministry he gives thanks for their fellowship in the ministry in verse 5 he says that he gives thanks for their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now and so paul recognized that from the first day that these people became believers in jesus christ they didn't just kind of sit back in 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 their comforts and just say well you know what it's enough that i'm saved it's enough that i'm going to heaven no, from the first day that they were born again in Jesus Christ, they joined Paul in the ministry. And that was the foundation of the fellowship that they shared. And so now, you know, it says he talks about this partnership. It, that, that word is koinonia in other places that it, it's translated fellowship. And he's not just talking about the potlucks that we Baptists do in in fellowshipping with one another. He's talking about true fellowship in partnering with other believers for the ministry of the gospel. And now this partnership for Paul came in different forms and we can be encouraged in in the the way that the partnership for him worked that we would be the same way. Well, first, he was thankful for their support of his ministry through the finances and resources that they sent him. Because throughout the, the book, Uh, this entire epistle paul mentions that the philippian church was financially supporting his ministry as he can he continued to go through the roman empire and he was planting churches they knew the importance of the work that paul was doing to make christ known and they partnered with him financially to make sure that christ was made known throughout the roman empire The church knew that was Paul's calling. Paul was called to be the apostle to the Gentiles and to spread the gospel throughout the Roman Empire. Now, not all Christians are called to just pick up and leave their homes and become missionaries or to become church planters. But those who don't have that call still have an important part of the work in that they prayerfully and financially support those who have been called and we support either through the local church, through denominations, through some other ministries that there are out there. If we're not called to get up and leave, we support those who do get up and leave. And Paul was very thankful for the support that he received in this partnership. But then second, the second part of this partnership was that they continued the ministry that Paul had started after he had planted the church in Philippi. And so Paul, he got that church started with a very good core group of believers, but Paul was not called to remain and pastor. He was called to go and plant churches in the Roman Empire. He was called to the Gentiles, to other places. But that core group, they are the church. They were called to be the church at Philippi. And it was for them to go out into the city of Philippi and continue what Paul started in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, and and they did. But here's the thing, we have that same calling. We may not be called out to plant a church, we may not be called out to be a missionary, but we are planted here in harvest, and so we have a great calling for here in Madison County, Limestone County, you know, we're all kind of right there together. We have a great calling. And so Paul was thankful for this partnership. We need to be thankful for that partnership as well. He was thankful they were faithfully fulfilling that partnership and we need to show gratitude for those who are faithfully fulfilling the calling. And so there's this thankfulness for the fellowship that we have in the ministry. But then secondly, believers, Can also be an encouragement in our trials we are thankful for believers who are encouragers in our trials in verse 7 Paul says he is thankful for them because they were partakers of grace with him in his imprisonment at the time he's in prison obviously and Paul is sharing that the Philippians didn't forget about him after he went to jail Instead, they showed support so that they could be an encouragement to him as he endured these troubles. And for that day and age, the Philippians were taking a very big risk, associating themselves with someone who was imprisoned by Rome. I mean, the Romans could have looked upon them with great suspicion. It could have invited unwanted attention from the government, but they didn't care. They were not ashamed to be associated with Paul, they were not ashamed to care for Paul in his time of need and they did what they could to help ease the burden. And this would be such a different experience from what Paul would have the last time that he was imprisoned, which would end in his execution. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy that while he was awaiting death in in the final chapter of 2 Timothy, He talks about all the people that abandon him in his hour of need. Sadly, many Christians can become like that. We abandon people in their hour of need. We don't know what to do or say. We think that our lives are too busy or so busy. Sometimes we think, well, you know what? I have enough problems of my own. I can't be bothered by somebody else's problems. That is not the calling we have on our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. The Philippians, Unlike the people, you know, later on mentioned in Second Timothy, they came to Paul in his trial to minister to him in any way that he could so that he wouldn't faint under the burden, under the pressure that he was carrying. We need to be thankful for those brothers and sisters who stand by our side while I f- we fight our biggest battles. And when we walk through our darkest valleys, we need to be thankful for those brothers and sisters in Christ who walk with us in this, in that. <laughs> And so in our gratefulness, not only are we grateful for the ones that do it for us, we also need to strive to be one of those brothers and sisters in Christ who help people in their time of need as well, be an encouragement to others during their trials. And then there's another reason, a final reason that Paul gave for his thankfulness for the church and you know, a reason we need to be thankful for our brothers and sisters in Christ as well. It was because of their gospel affirmation and their conduct their gospel affirmation and their conduct. Again, in verse seven, Paul is thankful because they are partakers of grace as they partner with him in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. The Philippian church held strong to the faith that was handed down to them from Paul, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. You know, in a a time when there were so many false teachers, In a time when there was so much pressure from pagans, sound kind of familiar? The Philippian church would not waver on the truth. And with that knowledge and discernment, they they, they were able to approve of what is excellent. They were able to know that which was of utmost importance. And so they held on to the truth they defended the truth of Jesus Christ any attacks that were placed against the faith I guess in a sense you could say in a sense they were all apologists they boldly shared why the Christian faith was true and why all other faiths are false but their defense of the gospel wasn't only in words and argument It was also by the way that they conducted themselves. They confirmed the truth of their words. They confirmed the truth of the gospel by the way they lived. Their lives, in a sense, was an apologetic, a defense for the truth of the Christian faith. Their walk of life confirmed what they were preaching and teaching. And just like Paul, we need to be thankful for those brothers and sisters who confirm the truth of the gospel message through their lifestyle, and it ought to encourage us to be the same. It ought to encourage us to be the same. Now, in no way is Paul saying that, you know what, just, you you live the gospel, but you don't speak the gospel or share the gospel. Because living the gospel isn't enough to bring someone to Christ, you actually gotta share the gospel, tell them about Christ but the gospel that is shared that is not backed up by a life that demonstrates that the gospel will change your life that's useless that is useless if your lifestyle doesn't back up your claims about Jesus Christ I mean think of a doctor who says that smoking is bad but then he smokes or think of a politician who says he hates corruption good luck finding those But think of a politician who says that he hates corruption, but then he's taking innumerable bribes under the table. Having brothers and sisters in Christ who affirm the truth of the gospel with their life is a blessing and something to greatly appreciate. And sadly, in our day and age, it is more so the exception than it is the norm. So be grateful for those brothers and sisters in Christ who encourage us in that way. And so one way to demonstrate our affection for our eternal partners in Christ is through gratefulness, appreciation, through thanksgiving. But then Paul mentions a second way that we can demonstrate our affection for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And secondly, he tells us to pray for our partners. And so you are to pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for your partners. So, you know, Paul prayed for this church constantly, as he says, I mean, he repeats it throughout this passage. In verses three and four, he thanks God in every prayer for them while making his prayers with joy. In verse nine, he says, this is my prayer for you. And so he's constantly in prayer for them. And and what Paul prays for the Philippian church is what we ought to pray for our eternal partners, for our brothers and sisters in Christ both here in Harvest, but our brothers and sisters in Christ at other churches and our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world. Well, what kind of prayers should we lift up? Well, first we pray that our brothers and sisters in Christ are filled with an abounding love, that they be filled with an abounding love. In verse nine, Paul says that his prayer is that their love would abound, that it would overflow. That would just complete, their love would just completely overflow. It makes me think of times that, you know, I, I take one of the, these metal water bottles to the refrigerator and I try and line it up right with that little spigot that's on the refrigerator. And then I press the button and I'm waiting and I'm waiting, you know, for, for it to fill up. The problem is it's not clear and I really don't have a good angle to see where the water is. And so I'm just holding the button and holding the button and holding the button. And all of a sudden, all this water starts gushing out and I'm making a mess, and I gotta clean clean up after myself, something I gotta do quite often, I guess, but you know, yeah, yeah, I'm just making, the, it's just flowing all over the place. Think of this prayer as wanting our Christian brothers and sisters to have so much love, it's just gushing out all over the place. Of course, you know, the question is, well, okay, love for who or what? And I, I believe Paul keeps it purposely vague because I mean, Overflowing love covers a lot of ground. First, of course, love God and Christ. This is the greatest commandment, right? To love God and Christ with all our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. God so loved us that He gave His only begotten Son so that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If God so loved us, we so love God. We love God in that way. And yes, we can't really live up to that calling But we can pray for our brothers and sisters in christ that their love for god and love for christ would grow more and more every day we pray that their minds would just be so full of awe and wonder at christ and who christ is and what he did for us that it just that love just overflows and so we pray that their love overflows for god in christ but next we want to pray that christians will have this overflowing love this gushing love for one another, because right, Jesus said, This is how people are gonna know you're one of my disciples, the love that you have for one another. And and so if our love for brothers and sisters in Christ is cold, the unbelievers are gonna say, Well, what's the difference between them, them and and us? The, the love that Christians have for one another is, is a demonstration that you know Christ and are following Christ. We are the family of God. We have been adopted through Jesus Christ and the bond, the bond that we have with one another is stronger than any other earthly relationship. And so we wanna pray that the love of our brothers and sisters that they have for other brothers and sisters is just going to overflow and it turns into great acts of service and love. But then we also wanna pray that Christians would have an overflowing love for the world, and I mean the people of the world, not, not like the world system, not worldly ways, but that our brothers and sisters in Christ would have a love for the lost. It was God's love for the lost, that's, you know, for which he sent his son. Right, It was Christ's love for the lost, why he went to the cross. And so our hearts ought to be knit with their hearts so that we have a love for the lost. That we would have that burden in our hearts for lost. And we, and we want to pray that other Christians would have that burden. And then also make sure we're praying for the lost as well. And praying that we have that burden and that burden causes us to, to do something. You know, I don't know about you. I, 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 whenever I, I hear about um, some sort of tragedy on the news, you know, my heart gets burdened. I'm th- and my first thought is, I wonder if they knew Jesus. That is the first thing that comes to my mind. I wonder, I hope, I pray that they know Jesus. You know, the, a lot of times when you see a tragedy about a, a celebrity who, who died. And you know, like, you know, this past week, there was an actor with his, a couple of his young children who died in a plane crash. There was another actor who died from a rare form of cancer, you know, and I, I grieve for the family and I pray for them, but I, my heart grieves because well, let's face it, 90 plus percent of people who are involved in, in Hollywood, they're lost. Most of your favorite actors and most of your favorite non-Christian music artists, they're lost as lost can be. And if they die, they're going to hell. That burdens me, that burdens my my heart. And so maybe that burden should cause me to pray more for the lost, the, the celebrities or whoever, you know, anyone that just God brings into my mind, you know, pray for them that they would hear the gospel and they would respond. To the gospel, you know, you say, oh, you know, I love this celebrity, I love this singer, I love this. We'll pray that they would come to know Jesus. If you really love them, you'll pray that they come to know Jesus. You'd pray for their soul. But obviously, not just celebrities, I mean the whole world. The vast majority of the world is lost. I know we don't like to think about that. Oh, no, no, the vast majority of the world is lost. Eight billion plus people. Yeah, there's less than a billion Christians, born again believing Christians. The vast majority of the world is lost. That ought to burden us. We want want to pray that our brothers and sisters in Christ would have a burden, but guess what? At the same time, we're praying, Lord, give me that burden as well. So Lord, may my eternal partners join me in praying for the lost, praying for this world. And so that's the abounding love we have. Lord, may my brothers and sisters in Christ abound in love for you. May they abound in love for one another and may they abound in love for the lost. That's a good prayer for one another. But secondly, we wanna pray that our brothers and sisters in Christ have a growing knowledge that they have a growing knowledge. In verse nine, it says that he prays for knowledge and all discernment. Paul is praying for a spiritual knowledge so that the believers would know God and his will and his word. I mean, Paul knows that the more that believers know God, the more they're gonna be committed to God and the more that they know his word, the more they're committed to truth that they're going to be. And with that knowledge comes discernment a moral discernment that allows believers to know right from wrong, taking on a Christian worldview, making the right decisions that would please God. We wanna pray that our brothers and sisters in Christ would know which direction that God wants for their lives, that God will give them wisdom and discernment and insight. And so we want our brothers and sisters in Christ to grow in spiritual knowledge and with it the ability to make the right decisions that please God. And while that is true in the general sense, verse nine, I believe is built in such a way that this knowledge and discernment is connected to love that we just previously mentioned. You know, my prayer is that your love abounds more and more with knowledge and all discernment, right? Paul is praying that their love abounds with knowledge. We wanna pray that our brothers and sisters in Christ have have a love that abounds with knowledge. This is important because we are finding in our day and age, people talk about love and it is not with any sort of spiritual knowledge and discernment behind it. There are people who claim to be Christian, who tout the glories of love, but they disconnect that love from a knowledge of God, his word and his truth. Hear me today, love without knowledge and discernment is nothing but a fantastical emotion that disconnects itself from the very source of love who is God himself. God is love. If you say that you love, it needs to be grounded in God. It needs to be grounded in his word. If you say you love without it being grounded in God, without it being grounded in his word, then you don't know love at all and while we who hold to the truths of scripture are called unloving if we dare call anything sin i declare to you just the opposite if you allow someone to wallow in their sins without confronting them with the truth of the knowledge of god and his word you my friend are the unloving one you are the unloving one if you allow someone to wallow in their sin yes We share the gospel and the truth in a loving manner. But the most loving thing that you can do is to tell someone the truth. Isn't it? The doctor who doesn't tell her patient about the cancer that is eating them alive is not loving. The police officer who doesn't warn a community of a murderer at large is not loving. Someone who calls themselves a Christian and does not warn them, warn people about the deceitfulness of sin, they are not loving. And so we wanna pray that our brothers and sisters abound in love, but that they do it with knowledge and discernment. And then finally, one final thing that we pray for, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, that they would have a fruitful lifestyle that they would have a fruitful lifestyle. In verse 11, Paul prays that they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. I mean, the first, you know, we have to realize there's a righteousness that comes from our position in Jesus Christ. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are called, you are declared righteous before God. God looks at you in Christ and says, he's right, he's righteous. It's based on the merit of Jesus Christ, nothing in and of ourselves. And if you're not in Jesus Christ, in a sense, you could say that person ain't right. Sometimes, you know, we say that about people, boy, that boy ain't right. Well, if you're not in Jesus, you ain't right. I ain't right. But when you believe in Jesus, you're placed in Christ. And when God looks at you, he sees you in Christ and Christ in you. And because Jesus was right, we are right. But then from this right standing, we receive that we receive before God, We're empowered to live in a right way. We're given the power to bear the fruits of righteousness. And we wanna pray that our brothers and sisters in Christ would bear much fruit. I mean, if if there's a tree that we say is an apple tree, but it doesn't bear apples, it's not an apple tree. If we say there's a tree that's a pear tree, but it doesn't bear bear any pears, well, that's hard to say. But it ain't a pear tree what do we call a Christian who doesn't bear any fruit we want to pray that our brothers and sisters in Christ wouldn't even just bear a little fruit but a whole lot of fruit we want them to abound in the spiritual fruit of love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control we wanna pray that they, as we, would have a lot of that fruit. That's our greatest good and that's where our greatest joy is found. And so we wanna pray for our eternal partners, our brothers and sisters in Christ, that they would be so fruitful, that they abound in love, that they would have a greater knowledge of God and his word and his ways and that they would just bear so much fruit. Paul says, to the glory and praise of God. That's why we want the fruit praised, uh, the fruit to be raised. To the glory and praise of God. Not so we can have people look at us and oh man, they're so super holy saint kind of person. No, so that all praise and glory go to God and Him alone. Let me just conclude with this thought um in his book fellowship of the ring tolkien he writes this amazing story illustrates the ideal of eternal partnership in the gospel i mean here is a fellowship that is made up with such a radical diversity of characters i mean you have a few humans you have a wizard you have hobbits you have a dwarf you have an elf and all these other things but together (coughs) they shared a common mission of defeating the darkness They shared a purpose that was greater than any of them and they would give their all to see it completed. And Christians, we are such a fellowship. We are a diverse set of partners in the greatest cause that there is. A cause that has eternal implications. The gospel of Jesus Christ. We ought to be thankful for one another and we need to pray for one another that we all would play our part in this fellowship. And so Christian, come to the altar and thank God for your brothers and sisters and pray that they would abound in love, grow in knowledge and bear fruit. If you're looking for a local church, a fellowship to partner with in the gospel ministry, you found it right here. Come and join us. But the only way that you can be a part of this fellowship, the only way that you can be a part of this partnership is to believe in Jesus Christ. That He died for you, He rose again. And if you have never believed, you need to, because He's the only way to heaven. He is the way, truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. And so today during the invitation, you come forward, you give your life to Christ, and you will become a part of the greatest partnership, the greatest fellowship, there ever can be on this earth. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuestHBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry